E.T. phone home. I'm just having some brewski beers at my Mojo Dojo Casa house. Wendy, I'm home. There is no place like home. Welcome to the House of Cinema Podcast. I am your host, Joe Aragon. With me today, Sydney Volpe. And in the house today, a discussion on the real Agent Argyle. <laughs> the greater the lie, the bigger the spy? No? Something no. Like that. <laughs> it doesn't really matter. If that <laughs> um, you know, Sydney, this is quite possibly, correct me if I'm wrong, is this the first like really big release of 2024? Oh, what an interesting question. I it's so confusing cuz cuz of the movies we saw at Sundance, like even my 2024 ranked list. I'm like I feel weird putting the Sundance movies in here cuz barely anything has come out in 2024 it feels like. Yeah, January was particularly very rough, but I would argue the biggest movie to come out of January was the Mean Be- Girls. Oh. oh. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. Yeah, maybe it was Mean Girls, but also, the beekeeper. Sure, beekeeper shout out beekeeper. Yeah, stronger than ever. Um, but yeah, Argyle. I mean, big ass budget, big ass ensemble cast, popular director. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There's a book uh, about it, or there is a book. <laughs> it has all of the aspects it needs to be like the first big movie of the year. Whether or not it succeeds as being that big movie, we'll get into in a second. But I, I am just kind of flabbergasted about the rise and fall of Argyle. Scientists will be studying this for years to come, I think. <laughs> I'm Before we jump into the movie and kind of our thoughts on it, your, not experience, but your kind of, how did you feel going into it? Like, were you, I mean, I don't think you were Argyle-pilled, but were you like anti-Argyle going into it? Were you excited? Were you not excited? What's the headspace there? I don't think I was anti-Argyle going in. Like I know everyone resented the trailer just because it got played. It felt like Argyle was everywhere. Um, and so that was definitely annoying. And I didn't think it was a very good trailer. But that also kind of happened with like Gran Turismo. Everyone was annoyed with the Gran Turismo trailer. But I mm-hmm. ended up really liking that movie. And I was really open to kind of a new, like a fresh thing from Matthew Vaughn because we've been seeing, you know, a lot of, he's done three Kingsman movies, three movies in that universe. And I, uh, there was also the part of it where it was like from the twisted mind of Matthew (laughs) Vaughn and they were just like really overselling it. (laughs) It's like this big thing. I had, um... Low expectations going in, but was very open to having a, a, a fun time with it. How did you feel about it? I think you even said on this podcast at some point, don't be shocked if I end up liking Argyle. If there's yes, going to be anybody who true. likes it, it might be you. It was supposed to be me, man. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the funny thing that you brought up about the Argyle tra- trailer kind of playing uh, constantly before everything, I saw a tweet that said, "Like, yes, the Argyle trailer played before the Zone of Interest." Which, <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> which can you imagine if that happened? Don't know how accurate that is, or someone making a joke. Anyways, but here's the Zone of Interest. <laughs> that kind of speaks to the prevalence of this trailer. And I even mm-hmm. tweeted myself, "Yes, the trailer is annoying. I know that's been kind of the running gag is to make fun of it and poke fun of the trailer we've seen a million times. But I, I kind of like that they had never released like a second big trailer 
Yes. Revealing more about the story or about the movie, <laughs> you know, who the real Agent Argyle is. I've come to regret that tweet now because now I'm like, well, maybe they should have released another trailer and I could have had a better idea of what the movie is about. I love that point from you. And I think it is so hilarious that that was a bit like I totally agreed. I was like, yeah, like truly no one knows who the real Agent Argyle is. <laughs> and then I I was I thought it was literally such poetry that the way people found out was that it literally was like tweeted <laughs> as official news <laughs> just like the plot of the movie and the reveal were tweeted i think by discussing film because it was three in the press ago. release yeah three years ago when the movie was announced and everyone just collectively forgot and then it got resurfaced and it was like this coveted thing and then all of a sudden it was like <laughs> everyone and their mother knew who our agent argyle really was <laughs> but you had seen the movie before that tweet went viral again correct this is true yeah so i saw the movie on the tuesday before it came out yeah and i feel like that tweet went viral like that wednesday or thursday yes and that's how it got spoiled for me, which, you know, at, at that point, I, I was so close to the finish that I was a little upset that I saw the tweet. But yeah. the tweet and the reveal was so, I don't want to say idiotic, but it was so disappointing. Well, yeah. What did you think when you saw, like, besides, like, not counting the ex the actual execution in the movie, when you hadn't seen the movie and you saw that that's what it was, yeah, did you, were you like, that's stupid? Or were you like, oh, interesting? Um... Well, to rewind back to your initial question, kind of my feelings going into Argyle, mm -hmm. I as well was part of that group that was like, yeah, this trailer is annoying. Yeah, we've seen it a lot. I didn't particularly hate the trailer, though. I, I, I liked the vibe it was you know, kind of giving. I liked the music yeah. they used. The action seemed interesting. I mean, the CGI cat was a lot, and I, I was getting a little exhausted of that, but I like Matthew Vaughn stuff. Like I like Kingsman and I like same kick ass. I like X-Men first class. Um, he's, I, I even he did... liked the Kingsman. If you don't oh. count the post credit scene in that one. <laughs> 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 Jesus. After, I did like, I had fun with it and then that happened and I was like, maybe I should just lie. Because that just <laughs> made the whole movie worse. That scene in no man's land is really cool. In the Kingsman. Like yeah, yeah, lot. like the Kings. Matthew Vaughn, I think, is really capable of making, like, his style is very um, unique, mm -hmm, and he mm -hmm. makes really fun action sequences, and I think his characters are charming. Like, Taron Edgerton in Kingsman is um, so much fun. I so, agree completely. Yeah, I'm not a Matthew Vaughn hater overall. I wasn't either. I like Matthew Vaughn as a director. Um, he did that movie with... Uh... Not Logan Lucky. What's the other one he did? Layer Cake? Layer I think he did cake. Layer Cake. I really mm -hmm. like Layer Cake as well. So he's proven himself as a director I like and that I enjoy watching. So I had really no reason to go into Argyle with like this low expectation. If anything, I had higher expectations because I yeah. do like Matthew Vaughn to work so much. That being said, you saw the movie. I saw your initial reaction. Woof. Then I saw the movie <laughs> two days later. Woof. Woof. We'll, we'll, we'll get into that in a second. Before we jump into the movie, I will give our usual disclaimer. This episode will contain spoilers. If you do not want to know who the real Agent Argyle is or you want to go in uh, blind as possible, then you If you will... found out by accident, I'm sorry. I'm so that. sorry. Yeah. Um, or if you just want to go in blind, you can uh, skip this episode and come back to it when you see it. Uh, if you do not care, press on. And we'll begin. Argyle, here's your IMDb summary. 
a reclusive author who writes espionage novels about a secret agent and a global spy syndicate, realizes the plot of the new book she's writing starts to mirror real-world events in real time. Okay, pretty straightforward okay. plot. Here's your Rotten Tomato score. Currently, Argyle sits at a whopping 35% on the critic score. Woof. A surprisingly kind of low audience score of 67% based on the comments I was receiving on my TikTok video. I assumed Dude. people were like liking this because I got a lot of comments saying it was fun. I had fun. I was like, you know, I kind of expected that reaction. But uh-huh. 67, even for audience score, I think is pretty low. Don't that you? That is really low. I mean, I think, yeah, we need to have a discussion. So Argyle is the first movie that I have reviewed like the first new release that I have reviewed since getting back on TikTok. And How'd that go? <laughs> it went well. Like the, the video did well, but at what cost? Because <laughs> 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 I've been posting for a while and I'm like, oh my God, like TikTok is so much fun. Why did I ever leave? And then I'm getting comments saying, you didn't like Argyle because you didn't get it. Um, and I'm like, oh yeah, <laughs> this is what TikTok is like. <laughs> And I want to say, big disclaimer before we get into the nitty gritty, if you liked this movie and you had fun with it, that is awesome and I don't even blame you. I think Joe and I are both going to agree that the first XYZ portion of this movie is actually pretty good and pretty fun and it takes a turn at a certain point. Um, Literally. But it's interesting to see the comments coming in. I think this is one of those movies that's going to get so hated on that the people who liked it are going to get defensive Defensive, and they're going to feel a bit insecure about the fact that they liked it everyone has certain movies that they're like i know this was dumb and i know that this about it was bad but i you know it just appealed to me it appealed to my personal tastes Mm -hmm. um and that's fine but if i review a movie please don't tell me i didn't understand it (laughs) (laughs) that's why i do especially if it's argyle Uh, that is uh, very well said. Uh, I think I ended my review saying there is, there will be people who have fun with it. There, there is mm-hmm. fun to ha- be had. I am not one of the people who had mm-hmm. said fun, but I will not be surprised if people walk out saying they like certain aspects or the comedy work for them or the action work for them. The people behind me in my theater, which I saw on a Thursday night, prime time at eight o'clock at night pretty empty i'm not gonna lie was it real it feels like everyone is kind is going out to see it even even after finding out it's bad i got a lot of comments too that are like oh it's bad now i really want to go see it (laughs) yeah i saw it in imax 8 p.m thursday night maybe it's just like the thursday night crowd people aren't aware movies are coming out on thursday now or just busy or they're busy but it was maybe half full and i'm being generous saying half full that theater but the people behind me were having a ball, a great time. <laughs> they were probably the ones commenting on my videos saying they had a great time and they were laughing yeah. so hard. Um, so, as Sydney said, if you like the movie, I'm really happy for you. There are there are things to be enjoyed uh, for certain audiences for sure. Now that we've uh, gotten past that disclaimer, let's talk Argyle time. The real Agent Argyle. <laughs> let's just kind of attack the main question here who the real Agent Argyle was. Now, you and I both talked about this on the Patreon side. We were kind of making bets on who it's going to be. <laughs> we were so wrong. <laughs> we were th- we were overthinking it. Like, I, we like, I, feel overthinking like it. <laughs> I feel like if we weren't like, oh, it's going to be Daniel Day-Lewis, <laughs> <laughs> it, it would have seemed so obvious, especially because Joe, 
Uh, I don't know if you've seen the movie The Long Kiss Goodnight, but it's literally the same plot. Is it? The Long Kiss Goodnight is about a female agent who has amnesia and forgets that she's an agent. (laughs) And that's exactly what happens in Argyle. And The Long Kiss Goodnight has Samuel L. Jackson in it. Interesting. Well, let's back up. Let's tell the listeners here who maybe don't have access to Patreon who we thought the real Agent Argyle was going to be. Um. I originally I was theorizing that it was the cat and it was going to be a Perry the Platypus situation. Perry the Platypus. Um, <laughs> Argyle the cat. Argyle the cat. <laughs> um, and then my ultimate, and then we thought maybe it would be like some famous actor cameo. Like uh, I guessed Florence Pugh. Maybe you I guessed, guessed Florence, Florence Pugh. Pugh. What did you guess? I guessed Channing Tatum. That's right. Those were our guess. guesses, which. You know, it, should they have gone into the celebrity cameo avenue instead? That's neither here nor there. But I also, the closer we got to the release of this movie, the more convinced I was that it was going to be the cat. I didn't know if it was going to be the cat and then like voiced by Ryan Reynolds. I was really nervous <laughs> oh, about that. Just... That was like the ultimate nightmare was that was going to be real. I never thought situation. the cat was going to talk. That would be too much. Oh, that's too much. There's a scene <laughs> where Bryce Dallas Howard ice skates on oil with like knives attached to her shoes. That was that was totally reasonable. Okay, well, we'll get In more into that later. <laughs> so the real Agent Argyle, if you haven't guessed already, listeners, uh, if you've seen the movie, you know. But if you haven't, the real Agent Argyle was indeed Bryce Dallas Howard's character. Yes. She is the writer. And it's exactly as Sydney said. She was an agent. She had amnesia and um, she slowly begins to realize she was this secret agent. And we'll get more into the twists and turns of her role right. and, and kind of what she did for the good and bad side. But And the books that she was writing were actually her memories. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Your reaction when that was revealed. Actually, I want the answer to that, but also, did you know immediately? Because I feel like there's a line in the beginning of the movie where they're like, oh, how do we know you're not a spy? And she's like, oh, if I was a spy, blah, 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 blah. It, like in the book, in the book reading, and then when the, someone's asking her mm-hmm. questions, they ask her, like, how do we know you're not a spy? I feel like at that point, even if I wouldn't have seen that tweet, I would have known, oh, fuck, she's the the secret agent. No, I didn't. When I heard that, I didn't think it, but I did definitely know what was going on Okay. by the time it, by the time it was revealed. And so by then... You know, it was revealed and I knew it was going to be it going into it. And so I just kind of rolled my eyes. And what I did, I did predict that she and Sam, you find out that Sam Rockwell, who's helping her all along, they were actually like together before. Mm -hmm. I mean, after you find out that she's Agent Argyle, you can kind of predict every twist that happens Mm -hmm. because it becomes clear that every opportunity for a twist, there will be a twist. (laughs) Um, but I, yeah, I just kind of rolled my eyes and was like, whatever. But you thought, right. Oh, but you, oh, but you knew. See, when I, by the time I saw the movie, I knew (laughs) it was going to be her. So every little like wink, wink, nudge, nudge, like, oh, how'd you think of this story? You must be a real spy. I'm like, oh, fuck you. Okay. I get it. (laughs) She's, she's really a spy. But I'm curious to want to know, like if people who haven't seen that tweet and went in as blind as possible, if it was as painfully evident to them as it was for you know exactly. myself or you um 
So that that's the reveal. She's a real agent Argyle. Let's talk about so many different ways to tackle this. Let's talk. <laughs> this, this movie is just <laughs> it's all over the place. Let's talk structure. Let's talk narrative. Let's talk story. The first half, it works. Why does it work it for works. you? It works for me because it's simple. Mm-hmm. It works for me because it's a classic, you know, classic trope of like, you know, spy or whatever. Someone who knows what they're doing, dragging along. Yeah, fish out of water, dragging along someone who, yeah, is thrown in the deep end, has no idea what's going on. And they have to go through all these like spy things and they have to jump off buildings and they're freaked out. And then Sam Rockwell is like cool as a cucumber. Sam Rockwell and Bryce Dallas Howard, I loved them together. I thought mm-hmm. they actually had really good chemistry and I like both of them. I, I, I liked to, I really loved seeing Bryce Dallas Howard lead a movie even though i don't know why it felt refreshing because she does the she did all the like jurassic park or jurassic world movies um but i liked her in this role and it was it was just simple you hadn't found out what the mystery was yet and it feels like it is the moment where you find out she's the agent argyle where it just dives completely into chaos and becomes like a completely different much more ridiculous movie. Not that ridiculousness is inherently bad, but do you agree? Like, do you feel like that's where the movie kind of took a turn? Absolutely. The first half, like you said, works well. I don't want to say really well. I I don't love the opening sequence where we get like this big, honestly, I'm really having trouble with action movies nowadays where Mm. we get a big action set piece, but it's all CGI. Like we're getting Henry Cavill (laughs) ride a Jeep down like, I think they're in Greece. Is that where they're at? I can't remember uh, yeah, where it at. is. It is Greece. And he's like taking this little like Jeep and and, and driving it off uh, ledges and grinding on uh, walls and, you know, like, cool. It sounds cool. And I'm not one to ever harp on CGI because I know how difficult it is to make things look believable and realistic. But I, I really found myself taken out of this movie so often because I was just like, it was so jarring to me how bad it looked and, and and not to mention how bad Henry Cavill looks with this weird flat top haircut. And that's, a, you know, that's a choice and that's a fine choice. But I, I was really not into the opening sequence. It was really hard for me to get into. I think that's a. am glad that you brought that up because I kind of forgot about that. That was how the movie actually opened up. It kind of hits you with like this big giant set piece. That's very over the top. Yeah. Very unrealistic. And the CGI was so bad and so i mean but hold the through the whole movie it's bad and so there are a lot of people i think trying to justify the poor cgi or like the the goofier things that are happening as like oh it's supposed to be like a parody but we can talk more about what it means to be a parody and whether this film (laughs) succeeds at doing that but it's kind of like Henry Cavill is like this fictional representation of Agent Argyle. He's mm-hmm, not the mm-hmm. quote unquote real Agent Argyle. Put a pin in that. And <laughs> <laughs> so it's supposed to be goofy, right? And and so it's like, okay, maybe that's fine in the context of that scene. The CGI looks bad because it's supposed to be a ripoff of like stupid spy stories. But then the whole movie looks like that. Exactly. Even when they end up becoming real spies in real life. Yep. And so instead of creating this funny parody juxtaposition, the whole movie just looks like shit. 
Yeah, and, and that's kind of my one of my bigger issues with it. And it's hard to watch a movie like this when movies like Mission Impossible exist. No, not everything needs to be those two movies. Not at all. That's not what I'm implying. But like you take a movie even like The Beekeeper, where a lot, you know, that's a yeah. much smaller scale action movie. But like at no point watching The Beekeeper do I think, oh, this looks bad. Like I'm not being taken out of the movie because I'm constantly reminded about the CGI background like that's not moving because it's just clearly a blue screen. Right. Um, and I, it's, I, I do think we've reached this point in kind of filmmaking in 21st century filmmaking, 2024 movies where there's like, clearly movies can be shot and made in, in, in real time um, with practical effects or as little as CGI as possible. And it's like, it's hard sometimes to go, from these amazing moments in Mission Impossible and John Wick and even The Beekeeper to go to like movies like Argyle. You know, Argyle really feels like this. If you told me Argyle was a Netflix original action movie, I would probably believe you. Oh, it feels like it reminded me of the one that the Russo brothers did. It, it made me feel like yes. I was watching a Russo brothers movie. It is the gray man. Um, of, the gray man. Yeah, this is exactly what it reminds me of. It reminds me so much more of something like the gray man, which is just feels like overproduced schlock like it's not yeah. really anything that has uh any energy to it it I, just feels yeah. very bland it is very lowbrow entertainment like it feels like i don't want to say it's insulting as a viewer i feel like that's dramatic but it's like come on like it's like you think that's not gonna like i'm not gonna notice exactly it does feel i know insulting does seem dramatic but it, it almost feels like they're like well they're an audience they're not gonna care they're just gonna like right like the colors and like the the big explosions but in reality i think audiences have sharpened a lot i feel like audiences are uh can tell and care when something looks good or not that is so true and i think yeah you brought up the beekeeper i thought the beekeeper rocked a lot of people like the beekeeper the beekeeper the script is super silly it's super cliche mm -hmm, a mm -hmm. lot of the dialogue isn't very great but the craft is really good the movie looks good a lot of stuff like practical stunts, practical set pieces. It looks um, great. The action was genuinely good, and there was kind of a, a vision behind the actual craft. I think I think Matthew Vaughn has really good ideas for set for set pieces. Like in this one, there was like this dance that they do through mm -hmm. smoke bombs, and the one where she's skating on oil. The idea is amazing and there are some good components, but the execution to me just felt so off. And so, yeah, I'm glad that you brought this up because looking at the comments and what people are saying, like, oh, it was on purpose. I think I think we should be careful about treading into that like, oh, it was bad on purpose. I agree. Completely. You know, like, what does that mean exactly? Because when you talk about parodies and you talk about spoof movies, there's a certain level of of cleverness that has to be incorporated into a parody or a spoof. And I feel like the only angle that was taken here is like, oh, look, we're taking spy movie tropes and we're just making it really silly. Mm -hmm. But there's no specific, I mean, they're like ripping off the long kiss goodnight, but not in any meaningful way that's like poking fun at the movie or poking yeah. fun at spy movies. She becomes the winter soldier at the end, but it's not a <laughs> reference, you know? I feel like it's just like what happened. Correct. There's no angle, there's no point of view. It's just big and dumb. Exactly. <laughs> Again, and people will enjoy that, but I, but I don't, 
I don't want us to get into the territory where we're like trying to turn it into something it's not because then studios are going to be like, oh, they'll just accept this. This is what people want. Exactly, exactly. I do want to kind of uh, go back to what you said as well about Sam Rockwell and Bryce Dallas Howard, though. I I think they do work really, really well. Sam Rockwell, endlessly charming, endlessly charismatic. Like He makes it look so easy. He really, really does. The, the, The one scene I remember laughing really like out loud at... Uh, was a line that he had when you first meet Sam Rockwell. He like you know is in this not disguise. But he has like a beard. He looks like a homeless guy. Uh-huh. And he sits down at the the like the train car. And he's like, "Whoa, a cat in the bag." Usually, cats are in the hat. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, did he say? Why do I not remember him saying that? I do because it's the one part of the movie where I laughed out loud. No one else <laughs> laughed as loud as I did. Um, so I don't know if anybody else found it as funny, but I found it very funny. But it's maybe just like people his... couldn't like hear the dialogue right or something. I do not. Maybe, that. but you know, he's very he's so effortlessly funny, and I love that yeah. about him. And he works really well hand in hand with Bryce Dallas Howard. And mm-hmm. you're completely right in that the fish out of water trope is what makes it so fun. Watching her try to acclimate to the world of espionage when she's clearly this you know this very. Uh, to herself writer who loves mm-hmm. her cat it's fun it's fun to watch that kind of those two worlds collide yeah and then you get the reveal that oh she's actually the a real super agent one of the most talented it's like it then falls into every cliche it's like oh you were top of your class you were the best at this and the best at that and and the way that uh, sam rockwell helps her remember is that he like tries to punch her then she uh-huh. beats him up it's like here we go you can Every see it. Every cliche yeah. possible is going yeah. to happen right now. And they obviously know that, but still it feels stale. Like there's no punchline, mm-hmm, you know? Mm-hmm. It's just the bad version of spy movies. And so it's like, <laughs> how are we enjoying this as a spoof or a parody? There's no joke. Well, this it's is just a, kind of a bad movie. <laughs> this is a good segue to the next point I wrote in our outline. Twists on twists on twists on twists. Dude, before this episode, I, I made a list of all the twists I can remember <laughs> happening. And I don't think it's even all of them. Okay, ready? Let's do it. Let's hear it. Go for it. Um, twists. Sam Rockwell is a spy. Her parents aren't her parents because they try to kill her. Mm-hmm. And then Sam Rockwell wants to kill her, she thinks. Uh, then... Sam Rockwell doesn't want to kill her. And then she is the real Agent Argyle. Mm -hmm. And then Sam Rockwell is in love with her. And then she kills Sam Rockwell. And then she didn't kill Sam Rockwell. And then her mom is actually alive. And then she's she's the winter soldier. And then we get to the end and we find out Henry Cavill is real. And then we find out he's maybe a Kingsman agent. It's too much. Okay, okay. Let's uh, let's back up. I have a few more twists <laughs> to add to that. All right, what else? Uh, twist in between that. Agent Argyle, or her, her real name is actually Agent... I was going to say oh, yes. R-, R. Kelly, but it's like R. Kyle. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> agent... Uh, Rachel, Re- Rachel Kyle. Kyle. Rachel Kyle? Rachel Kyle. That's a twist, because it's not Argyle, it's Agent Re- R. R as an initial R, Kyle. Kyle. That's how she got the name Argyle, everybody. Whoa! <laughs> um, they have a friend played by Ariana DeBose, and she died back oh, in yeah. like Vietnam or some, some war. <laughs> when uh, she was in the military. Turns out she didn't really die. That was the twist. She, right. she came and back at the end. 
there's another twist within that twist because she got a letter from a fan <laughs> telling her, oh, you should bring back this character because technically you can get shot in the chest and it'll go like through a little gap in your heart and you can live. So she uses that to shoot Sam Rockwell in a way that he'd survive. But mm-hmm. then it turns out that Ariana DeBose's character was actually the fan that wrote it in and her friend. And that was how she actually survived. Correct. Correct. Yeah. That if you're if you're confused by that, don't worry. We were all a little confused by that watching the you movie. You feel the same while you're watching the movie, so I'm just. I guess the you other other mini twist is that Agent Rachel Kyle pretends to like be right. a bad guy for a little bit and is like searching for Samuel L. Jackson's character in in like the middle of France uh, with Brian Cranston and um, Catherine O'Hara, and she's like, "I found him." located him like nice job agent kyle and she's like just kidding i sent him the whole (laughs) the whole all of our data and then it's like oh just kidding actually you need a secret passcode that only i can use (laughs) (laughs) and then oh but but she does get it to him only after she becomes the winter soldier and she almost kills sam rockwell this is true, but before that, you forget they're about to upload it to Samuel L. Jackson, and when they realize they need like special eyeballs, Brian Cranston shows up with his gun named Clementine. Did we ever get backstory on Clementine, by the oh, way? Oh no, we didn't. I don't think so. No, anyways, Brian Cranston shows up, corners Agent R. Kyle and Samuel Sam Rockwell, and he's like, "I'm going to kill both of you." Guess who shows up to save the day, everybody? The cat. The cat. Oh, that's right. It's the cat. (laughs) Alfie. And you know, she abandons her cat, by the way. (laughs) I would have done the same thing, but I'm just saying (laughs) that was a twist. I was not expecting her to do that. You know, when she turned evil for a moment, I was like, I know she's not actually evil, but if they did make her evil, I would think that was interesting. I would have been more on board with this movie if that's, she would have yeah. just stayed evil that's the real forcing subversion. sam rockwell to like kill her then there's at least like some tension you know like oh shit he has to do something about this that'd be kind of cool yeah it was but then i i came out of the movie not sure of in what capacity she was working for who because sam rockwell didn't know that oh you she didn't bring done... up that twist <laughs> yeah that was a twist so she had been working for the bad guys what is it like the company the, the syndicate the syndicate whatever the directory the directorate. The directory. <laughs> directorate. Um, yeah, that she had like done work for them, but was she just being a double agent the whole time? That was unclear to me. Let me ask you this. We've listed off like 10 twists of the movie. <laughs> Ultimately, we feel like this is a detriment to the movie. Why? Why do you feel like that? I don't know if there's really any profound answer to that. I think it was just too... Again, I think it is part of this like too much with no point. There's mm-hmm. no payoff to how many twists there are. And and some twists are fun, but once it gets to be again and again and again and again, you're just kind of rolling your eyes. Big time. It it becomes at think? that point incredibly distracting right. from the, the, the narrative and the, and the point of the story. Like We've lost complete sight of what's going on at this point because we're so True. focused on twists. The, the, the movie and the writing – is so focused on like shocking you with each twist, we've lost all sense of direction. Clara, our wonderful co-host Clara, wrote a beautiful letterbox review 
and used this metaphor that I really, really like. They said in the review, you know that one knot tying trick where you do all these twists and ties within the rope, but at the end, when you pull both ends, the whole knot disappears and the rope is still one long, unknotted piece? That's basically Argyle. Yeah. And it's like perfect, perfectly said. I mean, this is why this is why Clara is one of our best friends and one of our co-hosts, because this is like exactly encapsulates maybe the biggest issue. When you do twist after twist after twist after twist, it all becomes meaningless when you pull both ends and there's just nothing else that exists there. Mm -hmm. That's like the biggest problem with the movie, I think. Yeah, perfectly said by Clara. I mean, I think, yeah, the beginning works well because it's kind of driven by their personal characteristics like the the silly situation that they're in but then yeah you also lose sight of like the characters and like anything that is going on and it's i mean it is just like annoying to keep track of i don't think it's a hard movie to follow it's obviously hard to like remember everything that happened because so much happens while you're watching it you understand what's going on but Mm -hmm. it's like it's just annoying it's it's a lot of work and you're like no longer really invested in what's going on emotionally or with the characters you know exactly uh if the story doesn't work and narratively it's a mess usually i like to fall on well at least the action is good Mm. but i'm not sure if i could do that for this movie which is really disappointing considering we've talked about it before i'm a big kingsman fan Mm -hmm. i'm a big kick-ass fan um matthew vaughn as you said has this really unique style to him in terms of how to choreograph and film his fight scenes. Mm-hmm. But it feels like Argyle lacks any of the energy that Kingsman or Kickass has. Do you feel the same way? I do. And I want to ask you a question. Um, yeah, I totally agree. I mean, I I will any sort of I'm not hard to please when it comes to action. I can I can appreciate really good action, but as long as it's yeah, high energy or the car- choreography is good, the idea is cool credit where it's due but for some reason this movie just none of the action excited me at all Mm -hmm. in places where i felt like it should have like i was kind of shocked that i just got no enjoyment out of i think the two big ones are the dancing and the smoke bombs and the skating on the oil scenes i actively disliked both of them and i'm wondering if you thought a consistent problem for me in this movie was actually the music. Oh and I know God. people liked some of the needle drops, um, but I thought maybe it was like a sound mixing issue. Like w- during action, like the music is so such a huge part of creating that intense vibe and that atmosphere and in the, in the pace. But the music sounded quiet and the songs just sounded all wrong. Like it was like the wrong type of song, the wrong pace of song. It wasn't doing anything to add to the excitement of the scene or was that i'm like was my the volume in my theater just low do you did you get that at all i you've said a lot and i want to make sure i answer all of this because there's so much i want to say yes i do feel like something was up with the sound mixing something doesn't like not that it doesn't match up but it lacks a certain oomph oomph yeah it like doesn't have that energy it's like when she's skating around killing these guys with like a bayonet that she's created there's like nothing it's like nothing it's like she's like stabbing them but i get no feeling out of yeah. it like it doesn't feel like anybody's actively being killed or even hurt and i'm like right. what am i watching it, it's so 
I'm so numb. Like nothing is happening. I, I feel nothing out of this. And I'm, I'm wondering, is it, is it a problem sound mixing or what's going on there? I do love needle drops. I love a good needle drop. Uh-huh. Big fan of needle drops. Who is Who doesn't, who doesn't love doesn't? a good needle drop? And Matt Vaughn has proven in the past on like picking great music to you know match his, his his fight scenes. I mean, the Freebird church scene, which is very famous now. That, in the, yeah, I love in that church scene. I love it. Love it. Same with the kick. There's a lot of kick-ass fight scenes the with Rasputin great needle drops. The scene in The, the King's Man scene. was really good. There is, I think he's proven himself as somebody who can not only film a great fight scene, but chooses good music to match that fight scene. Mm-hmm. I do not think any of the music that was chosen really assist or aid or or make any of the fight scenes in the movie better. I in fact, agree. I think they actively take away from the fight scene so much, even to like a literal point. One of the songs they use in this movie is Now and Then, which is a Beatles song. <laughs> the that new came Beatles out, song, yeah. That came out like what, last year? I think Two it years came ago? out like after the first trailer came out. And so it, it's relatively, it's, it's dubbed the last Beatles song because it's the most recent one released. Uh-huh. But there's a line in the movie. I don't know if you saw this tweet. Someone pointed it out. There's a line in the movie where Sam Rockwell says, this is our song. And it's like, wait, the song just came out like last year. And this movie <laughs> is not taking place right now. Like it, They it, must have gotten paid to do that. They Oh, thousand percent. Yeah. I mean, if we're being I honest. I think someone said that the marketing is, team or whatever for the Beatles reached out to the movie. <laughs> It's an Apple movie, and I'm pretty sure Apple has, like, I don't know if they have exclusive rights to, to the Beatles discography. Mm. I could be making that up. Don't quote me on it. Whatever. At any rate, I do think the needle drops actively take away from all the fight scenes in the movie, which doesn't help it at all. Yeah. But it's not But it's not just that. It's all... I think I think how fake they look. Well, this is my is next really question to you. Is a large part of why the action scenes that don't work, or why they don't work, is it... Again, are we falling back on a, a common theme we have on this podcast and a common discussion we have? The PG-13 handcuffs. Matthew Vaughn, Kick-Ass is rated R. Kingsman is rated R. Those Oof. fight scenes are are fun, energetic, but a lot of it is because people are getting shot in the head or arms are flying off or you know, there's blood. There's a little bit more excitement in the fight scenes because it can be a little bit more violent. This is PG-13. Do you think it, it, that that hinders it at all? Wow. Yes, absolutely. And what's like, I had thought about the PG-13 rating, but yeah, putting it in the context of his whole filmography, I think he has a certain edge to him. It's mm-hmm. like the spice. And yeah, he feels totally neutered here. It feels totally sanitized. Yeah. And yeah, just boring. It is like the, these are action scenes that should be bloody. She's literally ripping people open with skates that's but was my nothing. biggest issue with the ice skating imagine or the how cool oil scene. you know what i think would have been a good song for that scene what you song? know that strings like that classic strings song that's like oh, wait is this a ddr song <laughs> we've been talking about <laughs> dance dance revolution a lot maybe it's fresh in my mind it's like oh yeah 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 I know what you're talking about yeah 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 that's because ice skating is so like elegant and classical but then she's doing this like crazy violent thing and if you like line up the beats with how she's like slicing people open that would have been so epic that maybe I could forgive 
how fucking bad it looks. Yes, yes, yes. Choosing, you know, like you said, the elegance of uh, classical music to juxtapose it with the violence of yeah, slicing people up you? with her ice skates would have been how funny. How are you going to do that with a PG-13 rating? That I, I felt that immediately. I, when I that scene ended, I was like, wow, I, I do feel like usually i would imagine it's not matthew vaughn's decision to make a pg-13 i'm sure as a as a as a creative as a person who who loves to uh create some really crazy zany things i'm sure he would have loved to have gone balls to the wall i mean again his previous filmography or previous films in his filmography have proven he's willing to go crazy i think of the scene with hit girl and kick-ass all the time when she like mm. runs down that corridor and it's it's to a uh, bad reputation by Joan Jett yep. and she's just murdering people. I will always go crazy for that shit. I don't care. I if will it's too. A, if it's a low hanging fruit needle drop, it's awesome. It's awesome. And like, that's why these scenes, the oil scene and the smoke scene feel like really big missed opportunities. It's like, wow, there is just no sauce to this. This has no juice. There's no sauce. The, the word sauce has been so frequently used in the discussion about this movie. Does Matthew Vaughn have the sauce? Did Matthew Vaughn lose the sauce? Has he lost the sauce? Is this movie sauceless? There's uh, no, and it is, there's no sauce. There's no sauce. There's no spice. This is the next question on our outline. What happened to Matt Vaughn? Did his mind get too twisted? <laughs> i'm not sure I, like i said i'm not sure this is a fault of matthew vaughn because he has proven in the past is this like a, an apple thing is this the pg-13 handcuffs really kind of uh, not allowing him to explore his creative freedom i don't know what it is but the next movie matthew vaughn directs are i feel like i'm gonna be more hesitant about it now well that's an interesting conversation because what is going to be the next movie that <laughs> <laughs> he directs people have been begging for the the, the kind of conclusion to Eggsy's trilogy and the kingsman i assume that that has to be on the horizon somewhere uh, that i think definitely will happen um the kings i know with the king's man we get the post credit scene where it's like young hitler and the king's man 2 was supposed to cover like the rise and fall of hitler i don't think that's gonna happen yeah um but yeah i think a third kingsman movie is likely. People love those movies. I mean, People everyone agrees the them. second one's not as good, but they're still very fun and they're very zany. And yeah, they have that that Matthew Vaughn edge to them. But he wanted to make three Argyle movies. Did oh, you Lord. hear that? I did not. And hear a that, series, no. a prequel series. Well, this again, another perfect segue to our next topic of conversation. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about the post credit scene. Now, if you've gotten this far in the podcast, I assume you don't care about spoilers. But if for some reason you don't want the post credit scene spoiled for you, then you may want to skip 10 minutes ahead. Yeah. Post credit scene. Movie ends. Well, actually, let's talk about the actual ending because I'm curious to know your interpretation <laughs> of it. Movie ends. Um, Ellie Conway has kind of learned to blend both her lives back together, the author and the agent, and she's giving another presentation at a book reading for her fifth installment in the Argyle franchise. She's giving this, you know, this, uh, she's reading the book and people are asking her questions. Uh, Sam Rockwell's there. They're together. Amazing. Love that. Um, we get a, a person who raises her hand in the audience to ask her a question. We don't know who it is. The person stands up, camera pans to that person. <laughs> it's Henry Cavill in a mullet. With a mullet. <laughs> With a very and heavy a, southern, southern accent. accent? 
And he says something along the lines of like, do you have any questions for me? And she's like, <gasps> and that's how the movie ends. What is, what does this mean? Um, Good question. I did a full TikTok breakdown of this and I think I still don't know what it means. <laughs> I don't, I don't, the continuity is so jacked up that I don't think anyone could say for sure what the hell is going uh. on and what Matthew Vaughn's vision for this is. Because yes, so at the end you see Henry Cavill and Henry Cavill in this film, the only role he played was this fictional representation of Agent Argyle before she finds out who she is but then you find out that agent argyle is her memories so he's uh, a figment of her imagination and correct. meant to represent her correct but then henry cavill is real and she seems surprised we don't know if it's just because she saw him in her imagination or if she knows him in, in real life and she's like remembering but then we get the post credit scene. Whoa, 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 one second well, before we get to the post credit scene. They're t- but they're so connected. I know. I want to ask one quick question, though. Okay. So like you said perfectly, I know this is getting confusing for people listening, but we're doing our best here. It is confusing. <laughs> she is the real, technically, she is the real Agent Argyle. Right. And he is just a fiction, a figment of her imagination. John Cena is essentially Sam Rockwell's character oh, yes. in, in the fictional universe of Argyle, correct? Yes. And in the real life, she gets, you know, she she romantically gets together with Sam Rockwell's character. Does this imply that Henry Cavill and John Cena's character in the fictional world of Argyle are also together romantically? And if so, <laughs> why did they not kiss? Many people are upset that John Cena and Henry Cavill did not kiss. Well, I mean, um, it would make sense because they're like constantly together. They're really they're they're the fictional stand-ins for Bryce Dallas Howard and Sam Rockwell. And I think that was cowardly of them. But I think it's very. This cowardly. movie is so sexless. You barely even see so Sam Rockwell sexless. and Bryce Dallas Howard kiss. <laughs> I didn't really during the movie. <laughs> I'm sorry, but like during the movie, I wasn't really thinking about the fact it was PG-13. I was like, someone has to have sex. I'm bored. <laughs> And if someone doesn't have sex by the time this movie is over, <laughs> you don't uh, have to show it. Have them do something. Why is she like not kissing him the whole movie? I'm like, just kiss. I need yeah, I some action. <laughs> I don't know why they like paint her character as like this like timid virgin character where she's like afraid of men and she's like doesn't want to go out with men. It's such a weird characterization of like <laughs> Ellie Conway. Anyways. I mean, I thought that was fair i know they do like add that maybe she maybe deep in her subconscious she was no she knew she was gonna make it back and she she knew she had a man yeah (laughs) i suppose so anyways then it's like i wanted that big moment of like the big kiss um didn't happen it did happen though it happened after she becomes the winter soldier oh like on the ship yeah 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 but it wasn't a very good kiss because it didn't look pretty nope Another green screen moment. I'm pretty yeah. sure. Big, big green screen moment right yeah. there. Yeah, and it took too, they it took them too long to get there. I was like, I don't care anymore. Exactly. All right, I diverted the 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 conversation a little bit. Go to the post credit scene. Henry Cavill's revealed he's a southern man with a mullet. Does she know him or not? We don't know. Cut to post credit scene. It's the Kingsman Bar Pub, as as they call it in the uh, the the UK, I suppose. True. We're inside the the Kingsman bar. A young Louis Partridge approaches the bartender and he's like, he says something and the bartender's like, what's the secret code? 
and Louis Partridge gives him like this long ass sentence. And then the bartender gives him a gun or gives him like this case and he opens up and there's a gun inside. And Louis Partridge is like something along the lines of cool, thanks. And then <laughs> the bartender's like, what's your name, son? And he's like, my name is something Argyle. What? And that's how it ends. He said he was Argyle? I thought he the bartender says, was like, there you are. No, no, no. <laughs> he, he says, like, my name is like Harry Argyle or Henry Argyle. I, I could just be saying Henry because of Cavill, but he says something Argyle. The point is that he's Argyle. And then it says, coming soon, book one of Argyle. Implying, <sighs> from what I understand, the implication is they're going to make a movie, a real life movie, about the fictional book of Argyle. Right. So that leads me to this question. If this is all the book, the first Argyle book being about Agent Argyle and what we're seeing in this pub is that Agent Argyle, apparently Mm -hmm. 20 years before, why is Henry Cavill in the last scene of the movie? I I don't have an answer to that question (laughs) because there is no answer. It doesn't make sense right now. Will they explain it in the future movies maybe are they implying like louis partridge will become henry cavill in like this fictional argyle i don't know i don't know but then it's also like who what are we how are we supposed to be viewing because if she wrote the books about her life and they were memories how are we supposed to be viewing this louis partridge why wouldn't they just make a movie about her life i I don't. I don't know. Do, these are. Do amazing. these movies are they going to get made? <laughs> Why? Let's not waste time talking about it. If this if this movie totally bombs, I how much money so. has? I wonder how much money it's going to have made by the end of the weekend. I think it'll make. Well, it, well, we, you mentioned earlier it has a huge budget of like two hundred million dollars. This oh. movie doesn't break a hundred and a hundred. <laughs> You said your your opening night theater was empty. It was very, very slow. So to kind of answer all these questions, do I think they will actually make these movies? I think they'll try to do maybe one and then stop. Yeah. How are we supposed to interpret Cavill's character? I have no idea. Is technically the Argyle series, the book series, within the Argyle movie, are a a memory they're recounting Bryce Dallas Howard's character agent Rachel Kelly's actual memory so that would imply Argyle book Rachel one Rachel Kelly is that what I did I fuck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oops not Rachel Kelly R. Kelly slip <laughs> <laughs> anyways so that would imply that book one of the Ar- fictional Argyle book series is just agent kyle's memories so the louis partridge we're seeing is from her memories yeah so i think it's like an adaptation of her book that she wrote which you can now purchase at your local barnes and noble (laughs) because it is real and it does say it was written by ellie conway i have no idea if ellie conway is a real person or not but it would be like, but then it is, it's like if 
Henry Cavill being at the end, that either means they completely just screwed their continuity or it's just like a little gag. If it's a little gag and he just happens to be like some Southern dude. No, but he says, do you have any questions for me? Exactly. So implying that like he knows her. Maybe they were right, Joe. Maybe I don't get it. (laughs) 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 The TikTok commenters are right. Yeah, I don't really understand what they're gonna gonna be doing. Matthew with this, Vaughn's you know? twisted mind is too twisted <laughs> for any of us to comprehend. We'll never Even understand. Christopher Nolan couldn't figure this one out. <laughs> Tenet who who check out the Argyle <laughs> franchise. Yeah, I don't know what the plan is. If they're going to make a movie, what are they even gonna call it? They can't call it Argyle. <laughs> To Argyle, is there is there somewhere you can fit a two in there? <laughs> two Argyle, two R, <laughs> two, two Guile, two, two R, two Guile, and Argyle, two Electric Boogaloo. <laughs> um, this is just a mess. It's a mess. I don't think it works. So, anyways. it is. A, well, I know that's. It's just. It's a feeling annoying to me. That's the. That's the other thing. Is that it's like all right, Matthew Vaughn right now. Is that that is that meme where it's like the party ended two hours ago and he's still here? <laughs> like, who wants this? Who and why is the bar called the King's Man? Is he is Argyle a Kingsman agent? If he's not, why are you doing that? It's just confusing people. If he is, how the heck does that work? Because there are multiple actors who are in both movies. <laughs> well, I think that. Oh yeah, Sam Jackson, Samuel in the L. Jackson, Sophia Butella. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I forgot about that part. I and it's just like no one is asking for any of this, and he's just like he's just running all over the place, making young Hitler and like books that don't make sense and everyone's like dude <laughs> <laughs> this is the consequences of uh maybe the mcu and i i, I do mean that kind of seriously <gasps> this idea of trying to make interconnected universes he said that i, I mean like he I, said I'm not... he wants to make the mcu of spy movies okay no one's asking for that, Matthew Vaughn. No one is. I promise you, not a single soul is out here saying, please give us that. I think people want Kingsman movies. That's different. I also want Kingsman movies. I don't need to see Kingsman times Argyle. I do not need to see that. But this post credit scene implies that not only are they making a movie about the Argyle book one, but that the titular Argyle was a Kingsman, was involved in Kingsman somehow. That's I think a, it could yeah. work. I think it could work. I just think the way it was executed makes no sense. I, I agree. I think there is a world where this also works, but it just it's like we're getting we're go, we've gone too deep, you know, inception, like we keep we've gone too deep into every dream. Like we need to like pull <laughs> it back a little bit. We need to if it was just like I don't know. Um Sam Rockwell's like character was a Kingsman or I don't know, someone else in the spy world that she knows. Like, I don't know. Maybe if they would have given like Ellie Conway a brother or something like that, and he was a Kingsman. I don't know. I think there's a way to bring in the Kingsman universe and have it make sense. But like to make the fictional book Argyle about the Kingsman universe is so strange to me. Yeah, and I mean, who's to say? We won't know for sure, I guess, unless something ends up coming out of it. But I I do, it just feels so overdone. I think that is this movie's downfall. It's just way too overcomplicated. 
Exactly. Keep it simple, stupid. I keep, mean, it's keep it simple, stupid. It is kind of crazy. I will say, people are talking about this movie um, at the end of the day, but it is kind of crazy how you had like a totally, totally normal, fine enough action spy movie, and people walked out of it resenting it. Like everyone is agreeing, like yeah, it was fine and dandy for the first hour, and then it got so bad that I just hated it <laughs> by the time I left. I got so many comments that were like, I didn't even stick around for the post credit scene. I just skedaddled. I th- I think I saw some walkouts. I didn't. I did. I wasn't paying attention to see if people walked back in, but enough people left the theater that I was like, some of these people aren't coming back, especially because I was at a free screening. Mm. I will say this. I I have never walked out of a movie because I will typically always see it to the end. Mm-hmm. And that's mostly because what else am I going to be doing this time? Like I, I scheduled this time to be here. I might as well just wait it out type of deal. Mm-hmm. There was a point in this movie where I thought, should I just leave? Because because <laughs> well, What's the worst that would happen? <laughs> what's the worst that could happen? I'm sure I know the ending. I'm sure I could exactly predict how this story will end. I would not have predicted the post credit scene. Granted, I you know would not predict that part. <laughs> but it was during the the after the oil ice skating scene. I was like, <laughs> like I could just I, leave. Do I need to talk about? Do I need to have a podcast? <laughs> <laughs> well, that scene particularly was frustrating because of all the reasons we talked about earlier. But also during that scene, they're like, "Don't shoot." Because you'll cause an explosion and kill us all. Mm-hmm. But then at the very end, she like shoots everybody with her gun, and they never like address why all of a sudden she could do that. Ugh, it's because it's a parody, Joe. Yeah, yeah, yeah the commenters <laughs> are right. I just don't get it. I we just, just don't, don't get, get it. it. I do, I got a lot of like, <laughs> just turn your brain off. But it's also two hours and nineteen minutes long, man. It's a long time to turn your brain off. Anyways, my last question to you. Yes. <laughs> Did we get Dua Lipa baited? <laughs> <laughs> we got Dua Lipa baited. We got John Cena baited. We got Samuel L. Jackson baited. We got the cat as the agent baited. I didn't even know Sophia Butello was in this movie. Oh, yeah. We got. Oh, I guess we didn't get baited with her. <laughs> um, we got Henry Cavill baited. Um, the old. Like Bryce Dallas Howard and Henry Cavill are the main characters of this movie. Everyone else is in it for maybe 10% of the movie or less. Oh, you mean Sam Rockwell and Bryce Dallas Howard? Oh, yeah, yeah. Sorry, Sam Rockwell. And it's so Um, funny because if you look at the poster for for Argyle, they're not even the two front people. It's like, I think it goes Henry Henry Cavill Cavill. and Dua Lipa, like the first two people. Were they just trying to throw us off the scent? Like why? No. I know. I, you know what I think we should all gather together to do? What? Do you remember when people sued Warner Brothers because they advertised Zendaya as being a major character in Dune and she was in it for like <laughs> one minute? <laughs> but th- dude, this is a real thing is that people are like, I paid for my ticket to go see this particular star because you presented their character like they were going to be a significant role and they weren't. Well... So they've done this before. They sued Dune for that. They sued uh, fucking Yesterday, that Danny Boyle Beatles movie, because the trailer showed Ana de Armas in the trailer 
Oh, but she and ended she up being cut, she got, and not in the movie. And two people were very upset about that. Yeah, and then they also marketing. sued Drive when it came out back in 2011 because uh, a lady thought it was going to be more like Fast and Furious. <laughs> I didn't know that. But it turned out to be not that at all. So the Drive was sued, and I don't think any of those people have won their lawsuits. I, I, maybe I'm wrong about that, but um, I don't know. But I think that is cheap. They they really they really sold Dua Lipa on this. Let's look at the poster together. We're looking at it right now. Uh huh. The front person is Henry Cavill <laughs> holding the and the cat. cat. By the way, Henry Cavill never holds his cat in the movie at all. <laughs> no, he doesn't. This <laughs> is this is lies. <laughs> I mean, his hair looks so bad here. So on the poster, they're, they're standing in like the flying V formation. And <laughs> the next person to Henry Cavill's left is Dua Lipa, mm-hmm. who... She's wearing the one outfit you see her in in the movie because she's in it for 30 seconds. Do you think screen time generously saying 45 seconds? Well, so she does. You you see her. You see her scene flash by once more towards the end of the movie. (laughs) Yeah, maybe I'd say a minute, a minute 30 max. Okay. Okay. We do get a lot of CGI Dua Lipa riding a motorcycle through Greece. So this is true. Does that count as screen time if she's not actually there? <laughs> and it looks I really bad. <laughs> then to Henry Cavill's right on the poster is Samuel L. Jackson, uh-huh. who generously maybe four to five minutes of screen time. Oh, I think he has more than that because she does the whole thing where he's like, they're at the vineyard and he's like walk- talking her through everything. I'd say no more than 10 to 12 minutes. Okay. All right. Then we have Bryce Dallas Howard and Sam Rockwell in the third spot in yes. the Flying V. They're in like the whole movie. They're the whole movie. Then you have <laughs> in the fourth spot, you have Ariana DeBose and John Cena. Ariana DeBose, who's, <laughs> who plays both a fictional and real character, the fictional character killed off in the beginning. Oh, yeah, that's... Okay, yeah, so they said she looks the same in the fictional and the real world because she you thought she had died. Correct. So what? So what? I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't really remember. understand. What... I don't remember the rationale here. <laughs> <laughs> but they're the fourth spot on the Flying V. They're not in the movie very much. The ironic part about this Flying V, Catherine O'Hara and Brian Cranston are the last ones on the poster. They're the mm-hmm. furthest back. They're in the movie probably the second most. Yeah, they are. Brian yeah, Cranston's in the movie a lot. Brian Cranston and Catherine O'Hara, I mean, she gets that whole scene. Yeah. Well, and she and she pl- pretends to be her mom, like that whole thing where she flies out to see her. Yeah, they're yeah. both in the movie a lot. Yeah, Brian Cranston ends up being the you Their know the, the leader of the directorate. Their second billing. This whole wow. thing, maybe maybe this is the twisted mind of Matt it's an Vaughn. Elaborate ruse that we've sat here and analyzed <laughs> this poster <laughs> like this. My mind is certainly getting twisted <laughs> at why any of this was done. <laughs> <laughs> I still can't believe Henry Cavill's holding the cat. I mean, this, it's well, and he's at the front. I mean, the whole, all of the marketing for this movie was completely misleading. That was one of the biggest things people commented. They were like, oh my God, I can't believe that like Dua Lipa and Henry Cavill are like barely in it. Wild stuff, man. It seemed like the movie was about them. It did. It did. Okay. Well, anyways, that is the end of that conversation. <laughs> I, I think. <laughs> Uh, what else is there to say about argyle Argyle i don't know it's just 
this movie is really fast. It seems like such an odd phenomenon to me. I don't know why. It's like Matthew Vaughn is kind of an interesting level of fame as a director. Like he may, he's not, I wouldn't consider him a, a household name, would you? If you're talking to certain people who are like really into the action genre, uh-huh. they'll know who Matthew Vaughn is. Yeah, I but mean, like the average American family, I don't think you're like, oh, do you like Matthew Vaughn? And they'd be like, oh, director of the Kingsman movies. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I don't, I don't think Matthew that. Vaughn has reached that level yeah. of household name. That's why it's so strange they chose to do like from the twisted mind of Matthew Vaughn. I know. But, you know, he's had an interesting career that he got a giant budget for this he didn't write this film i'd say that his movies are best when he writes them like he Mm -hmm. wrote kingsman he wrote kick-ass i mean a giant ensemble cast what went wrong here well i think we've reached this point and this argyle i think it's just one movie out of many many movies we've seen the last couple of years that just because you have the money and the cast like it's no longer a guarantee anymore we're not at this point now where you can just put 10 15 a-listers in a movie and say you know wipe your hands of it and say boom we have a blockbuster we're about to make a billy i I think we've reached that point where people as we've said earlier are smarter than that people want more than that they they want a good movie they don't want to just watch this schlock you know especially because netflix is able to deliver this for free do you think people are going to go to a theater and watch this if they hear it's bad they're not And, you know, this is an Apple movie. It'll be on Apple probably in like three or four months. Yeah, that's what I'm seeing from a lot of people. Why not just just wait um, if if you're hearing mixed things? Yeah. Yeah. Why not just wait is a very popular saying right now. It's popular. It's a bit sad. And I mean, especially because we just saw the announcement that Netflix is intending on not doing theatrical releases at all. They actively do not want to do theatrical releases for their films so we are in this tough spot of like i want films to be played in theaters i want people to support them but then there's the other side of it where it's like i don't want to get movies like this people are you know people are saying oh but it's a red flag if there's this big ensemble cast i don't think it used to be like that but i do think they're making these schlocky movies and they're just grabbing whatever names that they can now to try and sell it and i mean We've seen the like films of this nature that have the bad CGI that are just kind of like feel very like, you know, people make the AI. Did AI write this comment? I think we've associated it with Netflix a lot. Mm -hmm. These big budget uh, movies that are like this. But this just goes to show that I think we're going to see this happening with all streaming services pretty soon. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what that means for yeah. the state of things. <laughs> if the dominant statement right now is, well, I can just wait. Yeah. The movie you're putting out in theaters has to, well, not only has to be good, but it ha- there has to be a demand. Like there has to be something about it that drags people right. into the theater. I mean, that's why Barbie and Oppenheimer was so exciting is because not only was it an exciting event, but like the movies themselves were good and people were like, I can't, I need to be part of that conversation. I can't just wait. Yeah. But or, if your movie yeah. is just Argyle, yeah, <laughs> people are just going to wait when they hear it's bad. Exactly. Or that it's not, yeah, is it worth, is it? Is it something you need to see on the big screen, you know, or you want to see in a crowd? We're, I know it, I go so back and forth with like the state of film and the state of theaters right now because, yeah, then we talked about this on the Patreon. You also get, you know, sold out showings of the zone of interest because I think people are interested in getting out to the movie theaters if it's something that 
they've heard a lot about and and they want to participate in the conversation. So mm-hmm. we've got a lot of good going on right now and a lot of bad going on right now. I will say that Netflix news uh, scared me. I thought a that was really bleak. Sure. It's a bit dystopian. Um, but I think there's I think there's hope. It's just, you know, I do think that people are paying more attention to um, more cinematic, uh, poignant films, more, I don't want to say like art house films or like indie films, but, you know, independent films that are made by auteurs and, and things like that. I do think there is like this transition of movies like this being uh, put on streaming because people are waiting to see them on streaming. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's kind of happening with the MCU because like you said, it's not, they're not feeling like this big event anymore where you have to be there um, because people are less invested. So maybe there's a silver lining in there somewhere where people are going to start to associate going to the theaters for like Barbie and things yeah. like that. Uh, I guess we shall see, you know, I mean, we at this point, see. I think, <clears throat> The only thing they can save us, Dev Patel, save us, please. Uh, save me, Dev Patel. Save, save us. me, Dev Patel. Save, save my favorite me, thing about watching. <laughs> <laughs> my favorite thing about, this, about watching Argo on IMAX was seeing back to back to back. By the way, the Monkey Man trailer in IMAX, seeing the Furiosa trailer in IMAX, and then seeing the Dune trailer in IMAX. Dude, I was back gonna say back to back to back highlight uh... of the night. I'll have to see something in IMAX soon because since I saw this at an early screening, there are no trailers. No trailers, yeah. Not that I show up for the trailers anyways, but now I'll have to make a point of it. Dude, going to the Dune, um, they did like an exclusive re-release. Yeah, Yeah. re-release. I think they're doing that again because that event was so popular. They're releasing it again on like February 9th. If anyone's interested, check out tickets. Um, It's just so epic. Yep, the Monkey Man trailer in IMAX. I I need to see Chills. that. I'm gonna I was try so and fucking get, excited. Do that this week or something. Oh <laughs> uh, well, anyways, this is the conclusion of our episode on Argyle. Final rating for you, Sydney. I gave Argyle one point five out of five stars, and you, Joe? I gave Argyle a two out of five on Letterbox. Although that two looking more like a one point five every day, but at that point we're just talking, you know it's marginal. minor differences yeah. marginal differences exactly so not a movie uh, i loved a disappointing experience but if you felt a different way uh let us know feel free to let us know yeah power um, to you and i do you know it's a pg-13 movie i think i think it was they were making an effort to create a family movie so if you feel like checking it out when it comes out on streaming go for it go Can't for hurt. it Can't it is hurt. uh sexless and bloodless it so. is sexless and bloodless your fam Just like won't Hollywood mind. likes it these days. <laughs> <laughs> uh, on I'm that go note, watch a Cronenberg movie or something. <laughs> <laughs> put on Crimes of the Future right now. <laughs> Argyle is the new sex. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, well. On that note, uh, next week's episode should be on uh, Lisa Frankenstein, the new Zelda Ooh, Williams movie. I'm the so excited week, for that movie. I I am too. I am opening up to it. Save I wasn't us, like Diablo not Cody, excited. Save us. <laughs> <laughs> I was never not excited for it, but I am a, I am interested in it for sure. Yeah. Uh, following week, we're gonna get webbed up watching Madam Web. Ooh, I'm gonna be webbing. <laughs> <laughs> Just stop right there. Dakota Johnson told me I'm gonna see it twice. 
So that's exactly what's going to happen. <laughs> we'll be researching uh, spiders in the Amazon soon. <laughs> and then the last week of February, I think we'll be talking about driveway dolls. That is currently the slate. But don't worry. March brings us many, many joys. <gasps> many, many joys. Why Dune 2 primarily. Dune 2, baby. Dune 2. Well... Or do you mean Damsel, the Netflix movie with Millie Bobby Brown? I don't mean Brown. Damsel. I was going to say that we're going to South by Southwest. That is also true. <laughs> we're, we'll be at South by Wait. Southwest. Oh. oh, it doesn't interfere with Dune 2. It does not interfere with Dune 2. Man, yes. I don't care if I was going to Cannes. If it was interfering <laughs> with Dune 2, I'd be like, how do you sorry, say sorry Cannes. in French? Wee wee. Wee wee. No, no. <laughs> yes, uh, yeah, uh, Dune 2. Well, I was going to say, exciting announcement as a podcast is we did as a podcast, get accepted to attend South by Southwest Film yes, Festival this March. We'll be there covering it from the ground. Um, it'll be fun. It'll be a good time. We'll be seeing, yeah. you'll be seeing Roadhouse. We'll be seeing The Fall Guy. We'll be seeing a lot of Cuckoo. really fun movies. Cuckoo. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm very excited to return to Austin as well. Yep. Back to Austin. So prepare for that in the beginning of March. We'll have some pre-event coverage coming out closer to that. Yep. Um, but yeah. That is about it. So thank you so much, everybody who's listening. Appreciate all the uh, reviews and ratings on Apple and Spotify. Uh, check out Patreon for more exclusive content. Again, next week, Lisa Frankenstein. Um, but uh, for now, hope you have a great day, night, week, and weekend. And we'll see you guys next time. Goodbye, listeners.